and I just learned the best spell of all. What's that? Sleep. Welcome back to My Alchemical Bromance. This is Eric Arneson, and today I have with me Ryan Peverly, the mysterious host of the excellent Oculture podcast, and also a fellow Scorpio. And we're yeah, and we're going to talk to him about we're going to talk to him about his podcast and the way that it has changed his life. This is a rags to riches story. I feel like there should be some triumphant music. It is a, it is a uh, yeah, it's a rags to like maybe better rags story. <laughs> so uh, we've talked a little bit about your podcast in the past and like some of the stuff that you sort of have discovered through it, and um, and I think it's a neat story because. Uh, you've got how how old is your podcast? Like a culture, you've had it for what two three years now? No, it's not even that old. Um, it I think the first episode was September 2016, so about a year and a half now. Oh man, so yeah, but and if we go back in time, like what what were you thinking when you started the podcast? Like what was your your original inspiration? Well, I had thought about podcasting for several years. I'd been listening to podcasts for quite a while and always felt sort of, I don't know, drawn to the medium. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've talked about this before. I, I think that we're, I, I grew up in the 90s sort of uh, sneaking in late at night, like whenever I could, uh, some Art Bell into my life, Coast to Coast AM. I don't know if you've heard that show. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I listened to that in the 90s also. Yeah, now it's, you know, it's nationally syndicated George Nor. I mean I, I guess it was back in the 90s too, but um but Art Bell, yeah. I so I had like a little uh I don't know, it was, it was like an alarm clock radio in my bedroom that I would, you know, set to wake up for school in the morning and if I couldn't sleep some nights, I would just turn on the radio and kind of surf the dial and Eventually, at some point while doing that, I, I stumbled across the show Coast to Coast AM. And, you know, they talk a lot about the paranormal and sort of like Fortiana, you know, mm-hmm. UFOs and Bigfoot and ghosts and, you know, not really any, you know, magic or general occult topics. It's it, it's more of sort of that I call it entry level alternative research, you know, just the general paranormal stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's. So I, I, I guess I always had an interest in radio as a medium because of that. You know, I had uh, – so I guess let me just go back to the point here. So when I started to think about more of, of podcasting, I, I wanted to draw on that inspiration from, you know, those late-night AM radio sounds. And so it, it, it started, though, I had created – a podcast before O Culture that I did about 25 episodes of. Oh, what was it called? It was called the 45-Minute Radio Hour. And it was completely unfocused. It had no theme to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was essentially me and occasionally a friend of mine. And we would just sort of talk about whatever. And I did have guests. I, I guess the majority of the the episodes were me and a guest and I, my friend Mike would appear every now and then as sort of a co-host or whatever but yeah there was no focus to it I was just sort of talking to people that I found interesting 
some local novelists and filmmakers and, and artists. And as I got through that, you know, like I said, I did about 25 episodes of it. And the last several, I just saw like a progression in more of a, a personal, spiritual, introspective theme that the episodes started to take on. And one of the last episodes I recorded, maybe the last one, I don't remember, was with an astrologer, uh, huh. Carmen DeLio, who's been a, a guest on my show here now twice. And he actually is the astrologer for Collective Evolution, which is a sort of an alternative news website. And I was talking to him, you know, I, I recorded on a podcast with him, and then afterwards we were kind of chit-chatting, and I, I, I told him, I was like, you know, I think that I have to make a change here, and I'd like to know, astrologically speaking, if you see an opportunity for me to do that, you know, and, and what, what I could possibly, like, what sort of change I, I could make based on that, and so we looked at my chart, and we had a conversation about that, and he's like, this was probably three to four months before I had started O'Culture. Mm-hmm. And he's like, window here in September 2016. And he gave me an exact date and an exact time. And he's like, if you want to start something new, this would be the time to post the first episode. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's so, awesome. That's awesome. And Well, yeah, and, so just to, sorry, I, I should yeah, probably continue yeah. that story. So, <laughs> awkward silence. So, uh, so I took that into consideration. It, I was not sold on doing it because, um, at the same time or around the same time, my grandfather had just passed away, and we were really close. And so I was going through a. a it wasn't a weird sort of transition, but I could tell that, you know, there was something inside of me that was changing. There was something growing that I I wasn't sure what it was, and I I didn't know how to best approach it or address it or work with it Mm -hmm. i just wasn't sure i can't say it was something spiritual i i I don't know what that word means anymore but but there was definitely something like i I just felt that calling like i had to do something like there was a moment where that like i just knew i had to change something about either what i was doing currently with that podcast and, and, and you know to take that to the next level or to you know follow my astrologer's advice and start something new so after a couple of weeks of just tossing it around, I decided, you know what? Um, can we swear on here? Because I about said fuck it. Is that okay? Uh, you did say fuck it. That's okay. cool. <laughs> you can swear as, yeah, much as, you as, want. as much as you want. <laughs> I hope. I really hope yeah. that children don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they they might be looking for my chemical romance in a podcast and just stumble across my all chemical bromance instead and be like, oh, this sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, except only uh, only old people listen to my chemical romance now. It's not a kid's band anymore. Well, I guess if you grew up with them, yeah, then yeah. you would probably be in your 30s now and just mm-hmm. be... First of all, if you're still listening to My Chemical Romance, I uh, stop. Just stop. I have and never... Just... I personally have never listened to them. I don't even know. Were they emo? I think they were emo, weren't they? You know, I, I did hear a few of their songs. I was never what I would call a fan of them. Uh, I wasn't into the emo or screamo, I think might be a better term because... They're not really singing. They're sort of yelling into the microphone, and huh. I don't really 
enjoy that. But Screamo sounds kind of exciting. I, I'll, I'll have to look him up on uh, YouTube well, after okay. this. Then I may have just converted you into at least uh, somewhat interested of a fan. Yeah, <laughs> do, it. do it. Try something. So uh, back to the story, though, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. So story, long story gets longer. Um, yeah, I had just taken that opportunity then to start to put together what I wanted to the show to be and because of my coast to coast roots and my fondness for that for that brand back in the 90s and the general am aesthetic Mm -hmm. i had decided originally to do more of a parody of paranormal and conspiracy and occult uh podcasts and radio Mm -hmm. shows so i was you know i was busy making notes i was just absorbing so much content throughout this summer, like leading up to the launch of the podcast where I was being very meticulous and detail uh, oriented, you know, with like, I had wanted to have a, a, a format that was very, uh, very much like coast to coast, but tongue in cheek. And then also take some of the more popular podcasts in this genre and sort of, you know, mimic and, and parody them as well. And mm-hmm. I had this big, plan to sort of evolve the show that way and it started out as sort of a a loose parody of it i was sort of just trying it out in the first maybe eight to ten episodes or so Mm -hmm. nobody really caught on to that nobody's ever commented on it and i feel comfortable enough now to just be like yeah that's what i was trying to do and i just didn't like it it just Hmm. wasn't working for me that's funny because I've listened to uh, a few of your super early episodes. Like the, you know, your first guest was uh, John Crowley, and Correct. and that wasn't a parody. I mean, no. But the well, the the intent was that the the format and mm-hmm. the the persona mm-hmm. that I put out there was a parody of like that late night talk show host. Oh, okay. I wanted. Yeah. I I did want the conversations and the uh the guests to to be genuine and yeah like i'm not gonna book john crowley who i admire and respect very much and and put him in this environment that mocks him you know what i mean like that's right that's not what i was trying to do I, I was just more like trying to isolate myself in the format as you know here i am this bombastic sort of you know loud personality and my format oh, is i see what you're saying um, yeah. So yeah. So you were kind of trying to create a, a like a larger than life version of Ryan Peverly, like the host himself was supposed to be sort of a parody of you, yeah, almost. Or Ex- yeah, is exactly. Well, yeah, that's the best way to put it. Thank yeah. you for doing that for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. And I mean, I guess when I started to figure, or I made a list of people that I wanted to talk to, you know, and. And John Crowley's name was legitimately at the very top because he is the guy that introduced me to this world that we now, you know, live in mm-hmm. or occupy. So to get to get John Crowley on as the first guest, you know, like if I like I legitimately made a, a dream list of who I wanted to talk to and I didn't know any better. Like I just assumed that this guy's written all these books, he teaches at Yale, he's probably so inaccessible, but you know if you search his name and you go to his Yale staff page, like his, his email is right there, you know? Hmm. And I was like, that is to me, you know, that's a sign. Like he's not as inaccessible as I may have thought he was. So I think booking him 
And then seeing how the first few episodes evolved in terms of conversations and just the quality of them, it made me rethink that that parody format. Mm-hmm. And I think I just sort of like at some point in like you know maybe the like episode ten to fifteen, I just kind of just took all that shit out and tried to form it into what it is now. You know, you know, sixty some episodes later. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, one thing that's really obvious through the course of of a culture is that um, you have a real skill as an interviewer. And I don't know if that's because you spend so much time preparing or or that you just sort of have a really good gift for like drawing answers out of people. But um, you do a good job, like you really get your guests talking and you really tend to ask them questions that show that you're like familiar with their work, uh, which makes me feel like you must be reading all the time in order to prepare for this stuff. Like you must be reading and listening to these people and really diving into their work to, to come up with such awesome questions. So do you have any, do you have any other hobbies? <laughs> like, how do you, how do you find time to do all that? Well, I have to make time, you know, uh-huh. and it's hard because you know, I, I do work a full-time job that commands a lot of my, well, I mean, it, it's, it, it's my, day to day for five days a week you know and it's it's hard sometimes to find the energy to come home from that and like knowing that i you know i just read probably six books in the last 10 days Mm -hmm. and it's it's just because well one i've always loved to read and i've always had a general curiosity about the world about the world that i live in so i think that that helps me it it motivates myself because I've always been motivated to learn. Mm-hmm. I've motivated to to pick up a book and read it, and I just kind of have drawn on my my own curiosity and then my own professional experience. I, I started my my first job out of college was as a a journalist. I was a uh, writing for a small local newspaper that came out twice a week, and you know when I look back on that experience, I was given a lot of freedom because it was such a a small operation to really explore, you know, stories that I wanted to write about, Mm -hmm. you know, within the context of the market itself, which was small, right? So there's not, there wasn't a whole lot of super interesting things going on, but I had the freedom to develop my voice as a writer Mm -hmm. and interviewer back then. And then, Aside from that, I had to wear all these different hats. I had to I had to take my own photos for my stories. I had to shoot video. I had to, um, you know, do social media, update the website. I l- literally had to do every job that was in there because it was, you know, it was like a ten person office trying to put out a newspaper twice a week. So you had to do a lot of different things for right. you know very money and essentially no no gratitude, but. <laughs> Yeah, so I think I, I developed that that interviewing skill set all the way back then, and it probably goes even back to before that somehow because I've always liked to ask questions. I'm always just – I feel like I've I've interviewed everybody I've ever had a conversation with just in my own life. You mm-hmm. know, it's at, at some point, like, they're, they're the subject, and I'm just like – I just want to learn about them. So That's funny. That that idea is sort of funny. The fact that like the uh, that you've interviewed everybody that you've talked to in your life, that idea of you interviewing everybody that you come across in your life, and how it's been something that's sort of you know been 
you know, part of your profession or part of your training or whatever. Uh, my dad is a criminal defense attorney and he cross-examines. He had this bad exab- bad habit of like cross-examining people when he met them for the first time where his questioning, cross-examining is sort of like hostile interviewing, I guess, you know, where your, your questions yeah. are like leading and sort of like there's a weakness in your arbor somewhere and I'll find it. And, but it's, uh, that's sort of an interesting take on it. Um, all right. So I have some questions about how, things developed in your podcast but before we do that what are you drinking oh yes 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 i'm glad you asked me because uh well i stopped drinking alcohol for the most part so i I don't have a a cool craft beer to share but Mm -hmm. i did make a cup of coffee before we started and it's an organic dark roast from this company called four sigmatic but the interesting thing about the coffee is it's mushroom coffee what does that mean it's the coffee grounds mixed with ground up mushrooms and the whole company makes mushroom products they make Uh like mushroom teas they make like mushroom packets like that you can mix in with water and things like that but they make a fantastic mushroom coffee which has two different types of mushrooms ground up with the the coffee grounds and it has a chaga mushrooms and lion's mane mushrooms. How does that affect the flavor? Like what's it taste like? It tastes like coffee. There is literally no taste difference from any other dark roast I've had. Hmm. It tastes exactly like coffee. You would think that it would have some sort of weird taste, but it doesn't. It's very smooth. Uh, it's very bold and, and robust because it is a dark roast, but the reason that I drink this is because I've been, well, I don't know if you know anything about mushrooms, but they are like a godsend in terms of health and mm-hmm. wellness. They're so beneficial, you know, to the human body. And when I found this company, I thought, okay, I, I, I eat just, you know, like regular bland old white mushrooms all the time or, you know, portobellas perhaps, but it was researching more like exotic wild mushrooms because i i was curious like i i might have been even researching them in the 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 psychedelic vein to be honest so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i found this company and they were making this these coffees and i was like they're kind of expensive i think like for like a regular i don't know like a six like 12 or 16 ounce bag of coffee it's like 24 dollars so it, it's a little pricey oh, yeah. okay and, yeah okay but but you get the mushrooms with them you know, ground ground in, and so I'm researching chaga and lion's mane and some other mm-hmm. mushrooms, and I, I find this company, and I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna try this. So I've been I've been drinking this for probably six or eight months now, and holy shit, man! Like the amount of clarity and energy that I have after drinking this, and this is not a product plug. I don't do any business with these people. I buy directly from them. I, I don't get a discount. I don't I don't even know who they are. They don't know who I am. So it's not me plugging you know, like this, this brand, it's just, I'm super impressed by the product because Chaga and Lion's Mane are both what you would call adaptogens. They, uh, sort of help bring the body back into balance and enhance the nervous system and the immune system and your digestive system. And really just, I think every system you have, to be honest. So I want to try this stuff now. I'm going to have to go get some. Yeah, you should, man. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's it's a good thing to take, you know, if you drink coffee, obviously you probably start your day with coffee. Uh, it's a good thing to take first thing in the morning because it sort of level sets your your energy level for the day. 
and I don't need any more than one cup of it. Hmm. You know, like I had uh, been probably drinking two or three cups a day for many years, and I kind of wanted to get away from that. So once I started drinking this, I didn't. I found like no need for it. You know, it was just. I didn't need that. It, it does have caffeine in it, but I, did, I didn't have that like afternoon drop. You know, like I needed right. more caffeine to, to pick me up again. It just set me out uh, at a level, you know, for the rest of the day. So that's my. I am plugging them because I I like the product, but I'm not being paid to to promote them. I just love the fucking coffee. It's so good. And if 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 anyone thinks mushroom coffee sounds weird, yes, it does. It okay. does sound weird. <laughs> Just try it. It's 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 a good um, the the lion's mane specifically is is good for memory enhancement and mm-hmm. just ge- general cognitive support. So if you're into things like smart drugs or uh, what what do they call them now nootropics, mm-hmm. uh, this would be a more sort of natural organic way to to get that same sort of cognitive support if you wanted it. So huh. that's what I'm. Right All right, cool. I'm gonna have to look into that. I I'm not drink. It, it's a uh, 10:30 in the morning here, so I'm not drinking a fancy craft beer either. But I am drinking this incredibly fancy lemon Lacroix from Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, that's okay. We 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 just had like an episode that was only about beer, so it's okay if we have an episode that has no beer in it at all good episode too i just listened to it the other day man yeah. yeah it was fun um yeah all right so but back to back to you <laughs> so as you continued working on the podcast and as you continued interviewing people um i mean you really like dove into some obscure corners of the internet to find some folks to interview but you also got some um some fairly well-known like occultists and writers and speakers and stuff like that on uh how did 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 your views on things start to change well uh, that's a good question man i don't know if they changed i think they have just evolved if that makes i think there is a a difference between those two words yeah i think evolving is a is a type of change though it's a Uh, yeah okay yeah so i i guess you know what when i first started I didn't really know much about the occult and I, I really still don't. I'm still learning about it, you know? And I, I guess I don't really know how to answer that question because I've always been open-minded. Mm-hmm. I have a curiosity about, you know, like I said, what, what is going on inside of me and what's going on around me. And I guess I have adopted more of a magical worldview since I started doing this. That, I think, would be the major change. I, I, I shy away from things like spiritual or spirituality in, in terms of describing it because I just don't think that what I'm experiencing can, can be defined in that term. Yeah. I know, I know what you're talking about there. Like the, the term spiritual is, is, is loaded now. I mean, you've heard of like the, uh, the SBNR, the spiritual but not religious thing. and. Right. and uh, uh, and t- like t- that to me sounds like it's just an extension of, you know, sort of that new age theosophical movement, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. their ideas, you know, with the law of attraction and things like that. And, you know, I've, I think I've, I've changed my perception of the world in terms that I now realize that I have a lot more power and control over my own experiences than I had ever really noticed before. Mm-hmm. 
that is the major change in me that I've that I've noticed or the change in the world around me is you know so like maybe there is something to having a more positive mindset you know like the law of attraction like having more of a positive way of viewing things but negative stuff still happens yeah and I don't know why you know I I can't explain that like if I have positive thoughts and negative things still happen like what is what where does that come from you know like who can we hold responsible for that and ultimately I think it's still you you know like Mm -hmm. I think it's something inside of you that you're just not in tune with or in touch with and I think that that is the major change that I've seen is is I have sort of stepped away from the paranoid conspiracy side of the mm-hmm. world, which I got sucked into. I've talked about that many times. I've got sucked into, you know, for a couple of years. But I think once I stepped out of that, it allowed me to sort of find myself and uh, re- recenter and rebalance myself internally and then really open myself up to whatever is going on around me because i still i we don't know if we knew we still wouldn't be looking for the answers right so yeah absolutely i i don't know you know i don't know if i believe in magic necessarily because i don't practice it but what i see happening around me i can only describe it as magical you know like mm-hmm. i'm not doing rituals to enact this stuff but i am very much participating in something that i don't quite comprehend but I know that it's something beyond like my own personal control and my own personal mm-hmm. uh, will that I'm exerting into the world. Like there, there's there's a force out there that I recognize now that I'm working with, and I just want to continue to work with that force, whatever it is. So that's probably the major change that I've seen about myself and the way that I view things, just from talking to all these folks and reading their work, and then also having a better sort of understanding of my own experiences you know I'm, I'm picking up on signs and synchronicities more now like i i see that there is some there's there is some sort of grand story being written whether it's by me or for me or co-authored by me and god or the universe or whatever like there is something happening here and i just want to continue to work with it because i think i spent 30 years of my life working against it sort of raging against the machine mm-hmm. you know I, sort of a a rebel in that sense i i despised authority i still do but it was more like outward you know like i will just disobey you because i can because you want me to do this i'm going to do the opposite i've got away from that and i've sort of just given myself over to whatever that force is and just allowed myself to be more in flow with it okay that i think that that makes a lot of sense um have you so in talking to all these people, you've you've talked to various ritualists of various sorts. Have you, or even, I I mean, I, the, the list of people you've talked to is pretty big, but have you, have you adopted any of their practices? Have you, for instance, talked to some sort of like Buddhist monk and then been like, you know, I'm going to take up meditation for a little while or, you know, talk to a chaos magician and started doing sigils or anything of that nature? Like, Well, I can't say that I have taken up any sort of magical ritual practices like that. I have always meditated, well, not always meditated, but I was meditating before I started the podcast. So I have refined some meditative techniques based on some people I've talked to and some books that I've read. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I still don't do any ritual magical practices because 
there's a reason for that. We can get into that in, in a moment. Remind me to talk why about that because okay. to more directly to more directly answer your question, there is one thing that I have started doing and I don't know I mean, I'm not sure when you're gonna put this episode out, but I interviewed Austin Kopic recently. The uh he's a he's an astrologer, lives in lives in Oregon somewhere actually now. He just moved there. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think he lives in England, but somewhere else. But um, he's been on Rune Soup. He's on Rune Soup every six months. He's the astrologer that. Yeah, I've listened to him. He's he's interesting. He's an interesting dude. Uh, he's a fellow Ohioan on some level. He's he lived here for many years. So uh, I just had a chat with him, and what came out of that chat was, I'm going to start doing like kung fu, martial arts type of. Chinese energy practices because that is something I've always had an interest in. I don't know much about it, but I've always been sort of intrigued by the idea of being able to control and command and create your own energy in your body. Uh huh. And I, I think you know if you do something like meditation or yoga, you've you've tapped into it a little bit. You can feel that. Like when I do yoga, I can feel the energy moving through me, but I don't feel like I have any control over it. And and Austin was telling me something. Uh, both on the podcast and then privately afterwards that I think I'm going to start to uh, incorporate some of these Chinese martial arts into my yoga and meditation and then add some deep breathing type of exercises to that to really be able to command that that chi inside of me better. So mm-hmm. there's not anybody in a in a magical sense that I've talked to where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to to you know participate in this system now. I did talk to Taylor Elwood a while back and he's the pop culture magic guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. I don't think I have. I don't think I've listened to that episode. Yeah. So he, um, he does this thing where he creates his own magical systems based on pop culture. So you might take a world like, you know, Harry Potter or game of Thrones or something like that and Mm -hmm. can create an entire ritual practice based around the magic in that world. And so, so you, so you have to, you have to understand how magic works in that world. And then you have to sort of use your own, uh, magical practice so i thought that was interesting because i've always been a fan of pop culture i've always been a fan of, of fiction in general you know novels and, and films and such so that idea intrigued me but it's not something that i've put into practice yet because i hate to say this like you said earlier man i don't have time you know like i i yeah. have time to do things like the yoga and and you know meditation and things like that but in terms of being able to actually re- do ritual magic, which I think, you know, I'm not ready for still. And that is something that I mentioned earlier that we should talk more about. But, uh, yeah, so, no. I mean, I hate to cop out on the answer and say, yeah, this, t- talking to these people has changed my life. You, know, you can't, I'm doing you can't all- say yes to everything. Practices. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I haven't really picked up any practices from them um, except for the stuff with Austin that I was just talking about, which uh, people will hear, hear whenever it comes out. Yeah, okay, cool, yeah. Uh, this episode might come out before that one, but um, you... so you know people who are listening to this will get will get excited about hearing it um but you have way more listeners than i do so i'm not i'm not worried about spoilers (laughs) um so then uh all right so i uh so then why 
you said that you did, you wanted to talk about why you haven't taken up like the ritual magic stuff or any of that stuff. So why haven't you? Yeah, so I had a conversation recently with somebody and it's something that I that I'm going to record an an episode about here soon. So I, I don't want to spoil it completely. Okay. The 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 premise of the conversation was essentially like developing self before developing art. Mm. And I it's not an idea that I have before. It was the guy's idea that I'm talking about. So he was telling me about this that he's had this sort of idea like in his head and he wanted to talk more about it and when he when he threw it at me I was like man like that I never thought about it that way but I've always felt like I wasn't ready to do magic and if you listen to the show you'll notice that you know the one of the major themes of the show is magic and art and how they work together how they're essentially the same thing uh, I posted an episode with Gordon White recently where that was the entire premise of the show was, you know, magic and art are essentially the same impulse when you go back in history. Hmm. And so I feel good. I was just thinking, like, it makes sense. You know, um, if you're doing ritual magic, especially if you're like almost all of it involves some kind of art, whether it's, you know, crafting amulets and ritual items or you know sigils sigils are sort of a weird kind of artwork but yeah all of it involves you're right there is a lot of art overlap i'd have to think about that a little more i haven't listened to your gordon white interview yet either it's it's queued up there's there's only so many hours in the day and only so fast you can speed up a podcast before it doesn't make any sense <laughs> <laughs> i listen to most podcasts on uh two times this the, the speed because i just want to absorb it all but then i no, I missed something as well, you know, because the people are talking so fast. Yeah, but I put uh, it at one point two speed because that way yeah. people still sound mostly normal. But man, you are talking so slow today. <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I listened to something the other day, and I it's something that I I always listen to on two x speed because they post such long episodes. And whatever I was listening to prior to that was on just like normal speed. So it started out on just normal speed, and I was like, God, these people sound like they're talking really really slow and then i realized oh shit it's because i normally hear them talking at twice as fast mm -hmm. but but back to the the art as, as magic and you know developing self i mean like you just mentioned some magical items that when you create them they're pretty artistic well i think you could look at something like a novel too you know or a comic book you know there are people that have created those those pieces as as hyper sigils oh right like the invisibles is a great is the classic example it has the best example of that mm -hmm. or at least famous one and that's like how is that not both art and magic it is the same thing you know he's writing a comic book with magical intention and then you know lo and behold well all the shit that he wrote about then happens to him like if that's not magic i don't know what is but so when i thought about this developing self before developing art like i'd always had this subconscious I don't know, barrier to this magical practice. Like I had always felt like I wasn't ready to do it and I didn't know why. And then I, I look back on my, my history with art as well. Like I studied creative writing in college and I have wanted to write fiction for so long. And then every time I get into a story, you know, I might get 5,000 words into a story and then just stop because I feel like I'm not ready to write the rest of it. Hmm. Not the 
know what's going to happen, but I'm just not ready to tell that story for some reason. So when I look at art as magic, I see that same that same impulse, obviously, and I see that same reasoning that I have not fully developed myself yet to be able to tell that story, to be able to do this magic, to be able to create this art. So that's the thing I think that's held me back a little bit is just I, I went through, you know, I essentially wasted my 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 twenties, my you know, good years, I, I guess, as as just I, I wasn't doing anything. I, I was so unhealthy and and both you know physically and mentally. So those years that I had, I should have had, you know, probably those years that I would have had time and the energy to be able to create art or magic, I was not even tapped into that side of me. I wanted to. I wanted to write and do these other things, but I just didn't have it in me, both energetically or mentally, or I guess even spiritually, if you want to throw that word out there. But there was something about, you know, that was just holding me back. And then I realized after a while, it, it was me. It was there was me. Like I was holding myself back on, on some level. And I just need to clear out the basement, you know, of my mind and, you know, get myself in the right mindset, both you know, physically, mentally, whatever, to be able to create that art. And I'm not ready to do that yet. I'm still kind of working through that process. So, you know, I mean, it sounds here, to me like you are doing it. I am. I'm, I am in the middle of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, drinking mm -hmm. mushroom coffee, like shit, I would not have done that, you know, three years ago, but I'm learning more about how to work with nature and how to, how to use it to enhance my own experience here. And that I, I think is, is, I'm on the right path. At least I feel like I'm on the right path. So, you know, if you talk to me in a year, I may have I'll I may have a magic circle in my house, you know, and be mm -hmm. totally doing rituals every, you know, Sunday morning or whatever, but I just have not got to that point yet where I have I feel like I don't have the uh the necessary self-development to be able to work effective magic, you know? Like I could create a circle, you know, and step in and do some stuff, but I don't know how effective it would be because I don't think my mind is right. And I think that's important. I think as if you are a magician who listens to this or you're an artist on any level, I think you've got to have your mind right. You know, I, I think it's, it's only going to make your magic more effective. And as somebody who's not grown up around this, as somebody who's still new to this, like I'm not in a hurry to rush through some, some practices just to say I do magic. Like I want to learn about it. I want to take my time. I want to, build myself up into the magician or the artist that I feel like I need to be to be able to do it in the most effective manner. Because I do see it as very powerful stuff that you're working with. You're working with forms and symbols and images and words. And it's like, you know, I want to be sure that I understand and, and know what all these things mean, what power they really have and what control they may have if I let them loose in my own life. And, you know, because I want to be able to command it and control it. I don't want it to get out of control. I've talked to a couple of people on the podcast who were just doing demon summoning because, you know, it sounded fun and it completely ruined their life. It completely just took them off the, the right path and put them into this dark, deep hole depression for years. And yeah, that's funny. Uh, that answer, I think, is a really interesting one because it, it shows a lot of uh, self-awareness and introspection that you usually don't see even with people who are just starting out with, with any sort of occult practice, right? Like a lot of, um, a lot of occult practice is sort of aimed at developing that, especially some of the more modern stuff. 
so it's it's cool to hear you say that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that develops over time. Like if it's something that you you know, I mean, because you're already doing stuff that you could consider a magical practice, like yoga and um, meditation are absolutely like precursors to that sort of thing or setups for that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be as an outsider. That's going to be a fun um, thing to watch or an interesting thing to watch. Yeah. Well, and I, I realized, too, that um, my my life to this point, you know, like because I'm I just turned 34 and I don't. I still don't know much about the occult, you know, like I've only been mm-hmm. reading about it for a couple of years. I've only really been immersed in it for a couple of years, but I was having a conversation the other day with a real good friend of mine and I was telling her that I, I have seen my life now chunked out into thirds and the first third of my life was me really getting into what you would call art, but more in the you know, the mainstream sort of pop culture sense, you know, I was always reading novels, I was always watching films, and I and I just loved it. So I was absorbing that artistic side, you know, really, really early in life. And then, you know, of course, I went on and I got into creative writing in college, like I said, and, but then, it, uh, sort of concurrently in college, and then throughout my 20s, I got really into psychology and like neuroscience and I started reading a lot about the brain and, and the human psyche. And, you know, I was reading Freud and Jung and a few other people and really got into just learning about how the mind works and being able to observe human behavior, which has given me a, an interesting perspective on people in general. And I've, I've come to learn that we're all essentially the same person that acts out of the same impulses so mm-hmm. if you know it may manifest in slightly different ways and in different personalities but you could see the root causes of like word choice comes from a certain set of things in your brain that produces stress or anxiety or anger or whatever like you're when you when you learn how the brain works it's funny we, we all have brains they all work in essentially the same way mm-hmm. it's just you know what sort of uh, what sort of information and and uh, toxins are you consuming that that may change your experience with it? But so I got into to psychology, and then you know here now the last few years I've gotten into the the occult, the uh, the magical side, and I've I've come to see that art and psychology and magic are all again that same impulse. It is all a form of introspection. And I think that that is something that I, I've gravitated towards my entire life when I think about it, is just these, these introspective um, ideas and practices and just things that you can do and enjoy that just tell you more about yourself and your own experience because I don't know why I'm here or what I'm meant to do, but I know that getting to know myself is at the top of the list or near the top of the list. So to look back and be able to see a definitive transition from you know, one form of introspection into another, into another, and then be able to not only see that evolve in my own life, but then look at something like my art, which I consider my podcast to be art, to see how that, that story has evolved over time as well, where I do talk about more art and fiction 
than I think other occult podcasts do. Mm-hmm. I do talk. I'm. I not haven't done this as much, but I I'm going to be talking more about the the, the psychological comp- psychological component to all of that as well. And then obviously, you know, magic is a huge part of that as well. So, yeah, I'm kind of rambling. I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say anymore. But <laughs> you said self awareness, and I thought it was it was an interesting observation of my own life up to this point where I could I could see those definitive transitions from art to psychology to magic and then sort of now bringing them all together on some level and putting it out there for everybody to listen to I guess yeah yeah I mean it, your uh, your podcast is definitely a crash course in this sort of stuff like you you really cram a lot into each of the episodes and yeah uh, okay that's I this totally I ran out of a question here I do have a question what have been some of the most mind-blowing episodes like have you had a have you had a guest on where you talk to them and all of a sudden you're like holy shit this is changing everything i mean aside from me of course well yeah (laughs) and hey don't sell yourself short because we had chat and i've gotten a lot of great feedback on it so oh thanks we we rambled we did a good ramble like we yeah but (laughs) Well, hey, back okay. Before I answer that question, to just touch on that, I do think it is important as a podcaster to vary your episodes, mm-hmm. just in terms of not not necessarily format, but in terms of style, because I will do some episodes that are straight Q and A, and I I know what type of episodes I have to do that are straight Q and A when I get into the work of the guest, where I know that I'm just going to have to ask questions. And they're going to answer, and it's going to be just like going from one question to another. It's going to sound exactly like that. I know that there are some types of episodes that have to be conversational. And then I know there are some that are going to be sort of a hybrid of both. And then there'll be some that are a completely different format that I haven't figured out yet. But So to say that we rambled, and, and it was more conversational, which mm-hmm. I enjoy. because I do try to play to the strengths of, of whoever's on the show. And your strength is you're a great conversationalist, whether you think of yourself that way. Or not. Thanks. It's reflected in your art. It's reflected in your podcast. You have great conversations with people for fuck's sake. You, you have craft beer on the show and you talk about it and it's a, it's a, it's not a backdrop to the conversation. It's very much part of it. It's like having a beer in a bar talking about magic and, and, and alchemy and whatever else. I mean, that is, great. that's a unique format. So mm-hmm. don't say yourself on that man all right i won't thanks that was that was very nice <laughs> you're welcome man i forgot the question now though so you're oh gonna have to... all right the question was have you had anybody on your show where we're in the middle of recording uh you just sort of had the sort of like you your mind was blown you're like oh god this is changing everything like this is way bigger or more important or more something than i thought it was going to be and you were just sort of like blown away so I think the first episode that that happened in was episode 29 with this guy named Dan Willis. He is a he's a big UFO disclosure guy. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that I'm into so much anymore. But I contacted him to talk about something completely unrelated to that. And when he came on the show, we spent two hours chatting and I think I asked one question, and he just went off on disclosure topics and UFO-related stuff. 
And it is not the reason that I booked him. Uh huh. So the first hour of that conversation, we didn't get to anything that I really wanted to talk about because he was just going on about the same topic. The second hour was completely different and it was more in the vein of what I wanted to talk about. And we were talking about the geometry and the structure of water mm-hmm. and uh, crystal healing and things like uh, crystal technology. That's the reason I talked to him because he had a, a pretty interesting background in terms of he was working with this specific scientist on crystal technology and crystal healing and structuring and restructuring water molecules. Uh, you know, because water, if anybody doesn't know this, you know, water is a very interesting thing. It is, you have to look at water as a living organism. It's not just something that you put into a glass and you drink. It's, it's natural state is in constant flow, you know, mm-hmm. so streams. I mean, water is constantly flowing. It's a living organism. It's constantly moving. So when you put water in a municipal, you know, water supply, it just sits there. And it, and then, of course, they add all these chemicals and you know, pharmaceuticals to it. And it just completely kills the water. So he had done some experiments and some science with this guy who was like a former – he had some government experience as a scientist and some private experience. So they had set out to sort of learn about the geometry of water and how to, how to properly kind of build it back into its natural flow state. And so that's what I wanted to talk to him about. But so that, that part of the conversation completely just blew me away. You know, like I knew what I was getting into with it. Mm-hmm expect all the ufo disclosure it's sort of the first episode that attracted a lot of listeners because of the topics and i was glad that it did because it it attracted that that part of that community that's into ufos and, and things like that but then it they stayed for that conversation for that second half and i got so much great feedback on that it, it blew a lot of listeners minds it blew my mind so that was the first one uh, beyond that, some, I'm trying to think of some more occult-related stuff that blew my mind. So I think another of uh, another show that kind of blew me away was I sort of alluded to it earlier. I was talking about someone who had done some demon summoning and it just completely wrecked his life. Uh, this was episode 39 with this guy named Lance Gilbert who wrote a couple books about demon conjuring and sexual possession. Sexual possession. Sexual, like being being possessed by a demon that used him essentially just for sex, for sex-related things. Huh. And, yeah, you know, so I was reading through his books in preparation for the conversation, and I was like, this is going to be quite a uh, a dark chat. It was sort of one of those, like, cautious chats, you know, if you, mm-hmm. if you have something to, you know, pick up the Ars Goetia and... and you know, summon bail or whatever, like, this will be one of those, like, okay, that's great, you can do that, but <laughs> going back to the mindset thing, you know, going back to having that positive, energetic approach to it, this dude did not. He was just summoning demons to summon demons and then lost control of them, you know, because I think, you know, as a magician, uh, what's that old phrase, you know, he who uh, summons the magic controls the magic or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. He who smelt it dealt it. You smelt it. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he smelt it, dealt it. So 
he smelt that demon, but he could not, he just, he could not deal with it. Mm -hmm. So, um, that was one of those things that opened my eyes to more dark side of, of, of magic, you know, cause he, he wasn't being malicious or malevolent. Like he wasn't summoning it for, you know, the dark arts or whatever. He wasn't trying to, to do black magic. It just sort of consumed him and took him into this, you know, this spiral of depression and, and, and darkness. Oh yeah. And I thought that blew me away because I don't hear a lot of stories like that in this genre. I mean, you you've heard those sorts of stories, but for me personally, it was kind of the first introduction to a real, you know, personal account of it that was that was written in the first person. It was written in a style that made you feel like it was happening to you, mm-hmm. like right, which is magical in and of itself if you think about it. But yeah, so that one blew me away. Um, and I think another one that did sort of I don't know if it's really occult occult but this is this episode i did uh number 43 with with ian wilson it was talking about dreams uh, lucid dreaming qualia you know some of these ideas and ian's a guy who he's well known in the dream research community but he doesn't or up to that point like he has sort of not been publicly visible for a couple of years He's sort of like fallen off the the face of the earth, so to speak. Uh-huh. But he was a guy that I had heard talk a couple of years ago when I was starting to get into this. And I had just had him on my list because I really enjoyed his style and his presentation, the way that he talked about these subjects. And, you know, dreams are something that are, again, they're quite magical. They tell you something about yourself and the world you live in. And but I had not I had not heard him for a couple of years. So when I contacted him, you know, it took me a while to actually hear back from him because I don't know if he was really like actively checking his website or his social media or whatever. And so when I got him on there, you know, he blew me away with just this. I mean, he, he talks about dreams and in, in the way that, that like we could talk about coffee or craft beer. Mm-hmm. Like it's just such second nature to him. He is, he is a lucid dreaming savant. Wow. Um, he, he essentially has lucid dreams every night. And I think, I think I even asked him, I was like, you know, how are you resting during sleep? If you're consciously awake and aware uh, and, 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 you know, yeah, that would be, that would be my question too. Like how exhausting. Yeah. I, I don't, I still don't quite get it, but, and that's, that's something that, you know, in the occult, I don't know how many people think of dreams as occult or, or the dream world, but, uh, to me, they very much are. It's very much a part of the same experience. And yeah, I agree. The, the way that the, I agree. the way that he talks about it is just it's so it's educational and it's informative and it's it's a, I, I would say it's a good entry level into anybody who is into lucid dreaming or wants to learn how to do it or wants to hear somebody talk at length about it. Um, there are some other dream researchers that dream researchers that I've heard on some other podcasts where I think Ian was just such a, a better speaker about that. And I was very like proud to get him on the show because, like I said, he has sort of disappeared for a while. And it was cool because after the episode went up, we got such a great response to it on Reddit and on YouTube that Ian now like he's got a second life. Like I don't I don't want to take any credit for it, but 
I think he was so, he got so disenchanted and disinterested in talking about these subjects because he didn't feel like his work was appreciated. Oh. I think that once I was able to nail him down and contact him and, and get him into this conversation where he came out of it feeling very much appreciated and it sort of reinvigorated his work and his research and now he's doing he's back doing it full time again it seems. So that's quite but that's something that I was I was sort of I'm probably most proud of that episode. It's number forty three, uh, because of that reason. Cause I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to take credit for it, but I, I felt like really good about, you know, showing him that even if it was just me, like I appreciated his work, I thought it was valuable and I wanted to share it with the audience. That's really cool. That's, that's great. Um, I don't think I've listened to that one either, but I'll definitely go back and check it out. That sounds really fascinating. Have you heard any of the episodes that I've done? Uh, Yeah. I totally listened to the first episode. <laughs> I was actually just before just before this uh, interview, I was listening to episode number five, which was uh, the guy talking about uh, the occult and rock and roll. Peter Biebergall. Yeah, dude, he's a great guy. And I'm going to have him on the show again, actually, sometime because he's such a wealth of information, both on that topic and a few others. But yeah, that might be, you know. I was fortunate enough to, you know, start with John Crowley mm-hmm. and got uh, G. Edward Griffin in at number two, which is not really occult, but you know, he's he's like the whole creature from Jekyll Island, Federal Reserve, mm-hmm. like he's I in that in that world. And then uh, the guys from Grimerica came on. I don't know if you heard their show, but it's oh, a pretty yeah. popular conspiracy and paranormal show. And then Jim Harold, you know, from like all the Jim Harold podcasts, he's he's the paranormal podcast is what his his podcast is called. Oh really? Metal, obviously. Yeah, he's he's like yeah, he's like the uh, he's been doing it since like 2005. I mean, he's he's a legend in the the paranormal occult genre of podcast. Hmm, I don't think so I've listened my, to that one. <laughs> yeah, so those are my first four guests, and I was very fortunate because they all carried distinct name value, and they brought their own audiences to the show so and then peter came in after that and he was not as well known but actually it's funny like that episode is more popular than those first four like even the john crowley one like hmm. peter bieber got in like an entire that's like kind of what opened the door for me he brought in just an entirely new audience and i was very grateful to him because he was just on at the time that i booked him like maybe a month or two before that he had been on i think the joe rogan podcast oh wow okay but it was like a it wasn't a full episode it was like he was on there and then there was like another guy on there too so it was like two guests in the same episode or so mm-hmm. and yeah i might have to i might be misremembering but i think it was joe rogan whatever it was it was a really huge podcast that apparently i just had good timing to get him on my show mm-hmm. and i think that yeah, that's what opened the door, that, that Peter Biebergall one. So that's probably one of my favorite episodes too, man. Cool. I I was enjoying it. All right, I do have one more question. <laughs> I think we've we've got a we've got a good amount of material here. So the the next question I'm gonna ask is like when you were first setting up a culture, what were some of the podcasts that influenced you the most? Huh, that's that's a great question actually. So 
Well, I mentioned Coast to Coast as a radio show, mm-hmm. so I, I won't talk more about that. But that that is what set the foundation for this. Um, I I had stumbled across a podcast called The Higher Side Chats. Oh yeah, which I know that one. Is probably the biggest podcast in the conspiracy or um, paranormal genre, and I had discovered that and started listening to it. So that I think had a, a played a large role in getting me more interested in podcasting because I, I saw the way that the host uh, Greg could he he also has a, a great interviewing style and technique and sets his guests up to really be the star of the show and doesn't talk a whole lot himself and as somebody who doesn't know much myself like i thought yes that's what i want to do like i want to not talk as much and just let the guests talk about their work and their ideas because i'm nobody i have no name value nobody knows who i am but they know who these people are and they probably want to hear them talk about their work. And so I kind of observed his format and took what I liked about it and sort of made it my own. And then I was listening to Rune Soup. I had actually heard Gordon White on that podcast and then started listening to Rune Soup after that. Mm-hmm. And I would say that my style has probably evolved into a hybrid of those two shows with a little bit of that Grimerica sort of more conversational approach because they're very laid back and I, I like that style. Like I don't want people to think like they're in some sort of, you know, like stringent academic presentation style environment. You know, that can be very dry yeah. and drag sometimes. So I think those three shows probably were the most influential on me and they're just, they just happen to be, you know, three of the most popular shows in the same genre, but I wouldn't be here if I hadn't have discovered those shows because they, they really uh, made a difference in how I approached podcasting and has have turned it into sort of an art. But there are some lesser known shows that I I could plug that I think are just fantastic. You know, I don't know if you've heard uh, Glitch Bottle. I like that. Glitch Bottle. Yeah, that's a really good one. I think Alexander is such a phenomenal... He's, he's so skilled in terms of... He has similar skill set in terms of the the host from these other shows where he is he's so knowledgeable and he he allows his guests to talk but he he does sort of to me get into that gordon white mode sometimes where he might dominate or overpower mm-hmm. certain guests i think he does a good enough job of just backing off and letting the guests just go but you know that's always like i get a lot of flack sometimes well not recently but like probably several months ago I was getting some criticism on, I think, like Reddit or YouTube or, you know, somewhere in some comment section that the show wasn't occult enough, that occulture wasn't (laughs) occult enough. And I don't I didn't know what they meant. I still don't know what that actually means. But I remember telling someone I was like, you know, if you're looking for a deep dive into like the Abermelon ritual, go listen to fucking Glitch Bottle Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that's that's what that's what Alexander does. And that's not like I'm not sliding that show. I love that show. I don't do any of the things they talk about. I don't know much about what they talk about. That's why I listen to it because I want to learn more about it. Um, now, that's not to say that something like the Abermelon, you know, ritual won't be covered at some point on my show, <laughs> because I, I, I am interested in you know learning more about it and talking about it. But you know, I just I don't know how to address those kind of criticisms because oh, culture is it really well. 
I feel like feel- isn't there isn't that criticism addressed in the name of the podcast? I mean, a culture is a portmanteau of occult and culture. Like you're looking yeah. at you're looking at not only the culture of like the occult community, but uh, how that overlaps with uh, popular culture or, or or normal culture, whatever you want to call it. And See, yeah, I would think so. But go ahead. Yeah, and that doesn't always involve like deep dives into the Abermalin ritual, but more like, you know, you might interview like the guy who made that movie about the Abermalin ritual. I don't know if you saw right. it. I, I haven't seen it yet, but um, wait, what, what, what movie is that? Oh, Dark Dark Song, I think it's called. Okay, yeah, yeah, I I watched that on Netflix a couple months ago, and I enjoyed it, and I heard some criticisms of it that it, it wasn't quite authentic, like in terms of the actual. Ritual. Yeah, but who wants to watch an eighteen-month-long ritual with like a dude summoning demons in a sandbox? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Now, now I enjoyed it for what it was because I didn't have that same sort of you know viewpoint of it. Like I don't know the ritual mm-hmm. ins and outs of it, so I just tried to enjoy it for what it was, and I, I did enjoy it. You know, I thought it was a really good movie, and I actually sent a message to the director uh, who did not respond because he seems also to be sort of inaccessible. I could only find like his Vimeo user profile for some reason. Like, I couldn't find a, an email or a social media presence for him specifically. So no. I like, sent him a message on Vimeo and he never responded. But so if you're out there, director of a dark song, which I forget the name of you, I'm sorry. But if, if you're out there, please, please get back with me. Do you think he's one of our listeners? <laughs> Dude, he could be. You have no idea. Man, no idea. he might be one of the lucky 25. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I want to talk more about that occult culture because I do see a distinction there. I'm not sure what it is mm -hmm. or if I can articulate what that distinction is, but maybe I could try. So to me, the occult is, and please, if you would agree or disagree, just cut in and let me know because you know more about this than I do. But to me, the occult is a collection of various schools of thought and philosophies and belief systems. And I guess you could throw in the ritual components too there. And mm-hmm. then occult culture or, or culture, I guess, is how the occult kind of moves and evolves with and affects both the group and then also the individual. Mm-hmm. And that latter part there, the individual, is really where I try to focus the conversations around because, you know, while I do think think that this is about all of us collectively experiencing something together or creating something together i think it is ultimately more about you individually experiencing this and creating this and i I guess i'm trying to show people that you know no matter what sort of of glasses you're wearing no matter what the frames look like that the lenses all work in the same way you know like they that's a good metaphor Right, like they they allow you to to see better, and what I want people to see when they listen to the show or to feel or to experience is, I want them to get to know our, get to know the the artist or the magician inside of them, you know that creative force inside of them, because it really is dormant in most people. Mm-hmm. If it is active, you know, they may be like me, and they're using it to benefit this, you know corporatocracy these what would you call them these uh corporatocratic egregores that we've all sort of helped construct and have ultimately fallen victim to at the same time so 
know, we've literally been coerced into uh, into creating, you know, something like a Frankenstein's monster, and now that monster is making its way through the village, you know, like looking for its uh, transhumanist vegan bride or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> getting back to the point here. Sorry. I, 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 <laughs> Man, do you think they have? Do they have like Russian mail order transhuman veganist brides? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. No, I, I really don't hope so. But you know that that to me is what O culture is, both as a as a term and then as as my podcast. Is it really is about introspection through topics like magic, alchemy, art, psychology, uh, even love, which I talk a lot about. You know, those are really mm-hmm. the main areas of focus. Um, at least they are now. You know, like we talked about some some early shows that you know maybe had I known then what I know now about what I wanted the show to be, I probably wouldn't have recorded them, but you know, there is another aspect of what I do and it is storytelling. So those, those yeah. episodes story, you know, both on the surface and beneath it. And it all ties together anyway. You know, they were, they were recorded for a reason, I guess. And you know, that storytelling aspect just to wrap this up is something that started as kind of a, a soft goal, a, a, a loose goal of, of mine that, you know, after several episodes, I noticed that it it had really become the underlying premise of the entire show, and I don't know if I want to say too much more about that because it would give away some of the the secret sauce. But yeah, there there is a storytelling component to that that I think ties it all together. Well, I, I mean, I feel you know just from listening to your show and I guess from talking to you outside of it that it is kind of a transformative journey for you, and. I don't know. Yeah, if, I, I, I don't can know talk if... more about that if you wanted me to, because that's another just recent observation I've made. But this is one of those synchronicities that I did not realizing. I, I did not realize it was happening at the time, but when I look back on it, I, I I can see what happened. But you know, I mentioned earlier that my life was was sort of chunked up into thirds with art and psychology, and then you know, magic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in my archive, the first. 30 episodes are all sort of grouped as one. And then when you get to episode 31, which is the age that I discovered all this stuff, really, like that I really took the deep dive, the format from episode 31 on completely changed. The way that I presented myself, the way that I presented the material, the way that I introduced the guests, the way that I uh, would record outros, like Mm -hmm. it got more creative and a lot more mature and i didn't realize it was happening at the time but i was listening back to something of my own because i i do that sometimes not to be self-absorbed in my own material but sometimes i like remember an idea that a guest threw out that i wanted to revisit on some level and i had listened to episode 31 where i had a i had like a I don't know what you would call her. She's like a linguist on some level, but she, we were talking about you know spell casting and grammar and like language as magic and things like that. Oh yeah, I think I actually I've listened to that one. Oh well, then, hey, I, I found one. That's <laughs> <laughs> two, two. <laughs> two, okay, two, two. But yeah, so I was listening back to that for for some reason, and then I realized that like I completely took the the presentation to the next level and i thought that was just a really cool sort of it lined up well with my own journey like at 
episode 31 and then at age 31 i really discovered what the show was was about i discovered what myself was about so there's that mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how it continues to develop in the future i feel like uh i feel like there's more to come which I which I really like. Uh, you mentioned something a little earlier that I wanted to to talk about. I don't know uh, where we would find somebody who'd be more of an expert in this, but like I've been, um, you know, kind of part of the occult community for a pretty long time. And one of the first things that I ever did when I got on the internet, which was probably I don't know, it was Oregon Ednet, maybe in like nineteen ninety one or ninety two, was get in touch with like um, pagan pagan groups in like seattle or whatever uh so i've i've kind of watched maybe not as attentively as i could have but um ceremonial magic or the practice of ceremonial magic has really changed over the last 15 20 years um so you know 20 years ago if you wanted to get into ceremonial magic you'd be uh, directed to get into like a golden dawn group or you'd be directed to get like donald michael craig's book modern magic and they'd be like start here and just work your way through it and it was all golden dawn stuff or all you know thelema based like crowley stuff maybe not all but primarily or or like hermetic kabbalah and um and the bottom seems to have really fallen out of that like people getting into it now are going into older materials they're going into you know grimoire stuff or or even if you i don't know i don't know if you follow uh jake stratton kent on facebook or anything like that but he talks about how he's you know even abandoning like grimoire stuff to go even further back to like the greek magical papyri so so when you talked about like the the shape of occult culture and the way it changes and shifts like that's definitely happening um and it happens probably even on a wider scale when you look at like uh, uh, pagan culture, or paganism, because there's a there's a you know there's more there's more like pagans and Wiccans running around than there are magicians and ceremonial magicians and that sort of stuff. Well, I I don't know who would be a good guest for that. You know, I mean, I guess Jake Stratton Kent would be a good guest That's, for that. That probably. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard him talk on uh, Rune Soup. He was on there once, uh-huh. and I think that was a little over my head at the time. I'd have to revisit that and you know maybe dig more into what they were talking about. But yeah, you know, I'm not too involved in the ceremonial community uh, either as a, a researcher or as a, a practitioner, obviously. But I I would probably agree with you based on my own observations of mainstream occult culture, mm-hmm. where it is now mainstream. Whether people that are exposed to you know mainstream pop culture realize it or not, that there's a there's a lot of occult themes and ideas that are presented through things like you know Marvel comic book movies. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, let's just go back to you know the the introduction of Harry Potter to the you know to the world. Those hey, books and those. Go to Hot Topic and look at the friggin' T-shirts. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, go go to music. You know, like go to these these you know there's bands that use these, you know, arcane symbols mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. you know, their band logos or their, their album artwork, you know? And yeah, I don't think people realize that it's, it's really been a, a subtle si- sort of infiltration of occult culture into mainstream culture. And, you know, I guess we could argue about uh, is that good or bad for culture? And I think it's, it probably just depends on your perspective, but 
You know, I hate to expose people to ideas and themes and symbols and things that they're not ready to absorb. So I think on some level it may has been it may have been sort of manipulative on on somebody's part to just sort of you know inject culture with these things. But then again, it might just be a natural evolution of thought. Yeah, that we just yeah. that that not everybody has just come to terms with yet or has has realized yet. So uh, you know, because I can see in my own life like. I don't see the occult as this dark, scary thing. I, 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 it's powerful, but I think it's it can be used for great things, both within you and within you know the culture that you live in. So it's just a matter of perspective. But yeah, the ceremonial stuff to me is like, well, shit. I mean, I think I would talk, want to talk to somebody like Alan Moore about that, you know. But of course, he's a hermit. But you know, he would. I do. Uh, I do know somebody who has who has spoken to him before. Well, you have like a six degrees thing going on there. That's like two degrees of Alan Moore. Yeah, I'm very. I feel you know very proud, very proud of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud to know somebody who knows Alan Moore. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, actually, so in the Gordon White episode, which when you hear this, um, you'll hear it obviously. But we talk about Alan Moore a little bit, and after that episode, <laughs> I hate to say this, but after that episode, I posted my own. Uh, meme mm-hmm. of what I thought would be funny like I forget how I worded it but I had googled like the phrase how the fuck do you contact Alan Moore and I took a screenshot of it and then I, I made a meme out of it and like, I put some text above it that said I forget what it said but it was something like you know when you're trying to book a famous uh, artist on your shitty podcast you know and, and it was <laughs> Cause I couldn't, you can't like, he's so inaccessible and I just thought it was funny and it got the most, it got a lot of likes and shares and I had people legitimately trying to help me contact Alan Moore for like the last week. And they were like, Oh, you should do this. You should do that. Like, and I was like, I, I think, think even I, 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 I saw that. I think I told you to get in touch with his editor or his publisher. Yeah. 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 You, yeah, you did. And, <laughs> but here's, here's the catch. I posted that on Facebook I had a former guest, uh, Danny Nemu, episode 61. I should have mentioned this when you asked me what sort of episodes blew my mind. That one did, episode 61. I won't recap it, but just go listen to it. Okay. Okay. He saw the post on Facebook. He shares it with a friend of his who is friends with Alan Moore. And basically everybody who knows Alan Moore is very respective of him and his choice to be reclusive. Mm-hmm. and sort of inaccessible and i had a private conversation with the with this friend of his and i i w- won't divulge what it what it was about but it was essentially you know it was a it was like <laughs> i felt like i had to explain like i wasn't really trying to get in touch with him i was making a joke out of a meme based on a conversation from the last episode so i'm not actively trying to contact alan moore through his friends or his family or whoever else like i don't i'm not interested I am interested if if he's listening to this, but I'm not actively trying to contact him. So, yeah. Do you think Alan Moore is going to be listening to this episode with the director of uh, Dark Song? Like maybe they're just hanging out on the couch eating popcorn. There's there's a there's like a there's a a, a hidden occult world out there where that is happening. Yeah, that's like another reality or timeline here where Alan Moore and the director from a Dark Song are hanging out probably doing some sort of sex magic ritual 
and they're going to be like, oh, we should listen to a podcast to get psyched up before we do this ritual. And it'll be this podcast, yeah. Chemical Bro. Yeah, because there's a new episode of Biochemical Bromance. How exciting! They may, searched, I, they may have searched my chemical romance first because uh-huh. they wanted some good like, to pair with their sex magic, and they may have stumbled across this episode. So there is a world out there where they are hearing this. Oh there man! A world out there. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, if like, let's say it did happen, let's say you did get in touch with Alan Moore. I mean, he would be a pretty exciting podcast guest. Oh yeah. And he'd be a guy that I'd have to like clear out my entire schedule to prepare for Mm -hmm. because there's so much you could talk about. And I actually think I, this is how weird I am. You know, I, I do have that, that dream list of guests that Mm -hmm. I talked about and he was near the top. If John Cry was number one, Alan Moore is probably number two, but I already have, and this is, again, this is weird, but because I'll probably never speak to the guy, but I already have essentially probably a page or two of notes that I want to talk to him about. Wow. And it has nothing to do with his comic books. Like, he doesn't want to talk about his comic books. You know, he doesn't want to talk about Watchmen or whatever. So it's things that I that I think he would want to talk about because I know that they're things that are important to him. And if I could just, like, get that message out there to him, like, hey, man, I don't want to talk to you about Watchmen or V for Vendetta or even some other, like, ceremonial magic stuff. Like, there's, like, three things here that I think that you're personally passionate about that you've you've written about that you, that you don't ever get asked about that I think I could talk to you about these things, man. And just, yeah, so I, I have, like, a page and a half of notes of this shit. <laughs> that would be awesome. I, I would never probably talk to you. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if if you need any help, I could. You could. Do, you should do like a Kickstarter, or I don't know how you would get a hold of Alan Moore. Um, wait, wait. Letter so writing campaign. Contact. I need a Kickstart. Okay, so what I what I think the best thing to do is is that I have heard from people that he does accept fan mail. There is a mailing address that if you search for it online, that you can send fan mail to and he reads them all he may not respond to them all but he definitely reads them all so i need to kickstart a campaign to just pay for the postage to send a letter to alan moore he it, probably lives in england or scotland he lives in northampton okay england it's probably like 14 dollars, but you know if we could kickstart that <laughs> that would be great yeah you might want to use like indiegogo i'm not sure which one has a lower overhead, but just a GoFundMe, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. To Alan Moore. Cause I want to talk to him. <laughs> it's going to cost like 1475. So please help me pay for this. <laughs> I, uh, I will happily, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do they call it? When you mentioned some plug, I'll plug your, uh, your GoFundMe campaign yeah. on myochemical bromance when it's, it's time. Okay. No, you know what? I think that's so. All right. You may want to cut this out, but you could also be sneaky and just leave it in. But after, so I, I recorded that episode with Gordon White where we talked about Alan Moore for a couple of minutes. And after it was over, I was thinking like, man, I do want to talk to Alan Moore. He'd be a game changer because he doesn't give a lot of, of talks these days. Sorry, I just hit my microphone cord. But uh, so I drew a tarot card. I asked the question. I was like, what do I have to do? to be able to talk to Alan Moore on my podcast, you know, stupid tarot question, right? Mm-hmm. But I asked it. 
I honestly forget what card I drew, but I remember that it, whatever it was, it was like the message was be creative. And I was like, okay, well, I'm somewhat creative. I could figure out a creative way to get Alan Moore's interest. We may have just came up with it. It's possible. <laughs> to send a letter to Alan Moore. It's, an, oh, it's going to cost $14, but whatever. I feel like what you have just done, this, this has been an act of magic. You have made magic. That's true. Just talking about it, putting my intention out into the, the universe with these words and this conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, I've talked about Alan Moore for the last 15 minutes. There's no reason to talk about him. We yeah. have no reason to talking about him right now. But we're performing some sort of magical ritual with our language right now that's going to somehow attract his attention to us. And I'll tell you what, Eric. If we can get Alan Moore, you will be on the call with me and we can talk to him together. That sounds great that? because I imagine him right now, like he's passing the bong back to the the uh, Dark Song guy and they're laughing their ass off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and you, you guys also could talk about beards because he has an impressive beard. He has a great beard. But you know what? I've also heard that he really hates Freemasons. So you might not want me... Well, what you should you should not advertise yourself as a Freemason then. Okay, you know? all right, I'll try. <laughs> Let me go back in time and erase all that. <laughs> all right, we are. I think I feel like this is a good place to 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 stop. We've we've stopped talking about your podcast almost entirely. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I, people probably found if they if they suck around this long, they probably found more enjoyment of the last twenty minutes than they did me just babbling on about a podcast. So that's true. I, that that first part might have been like really indulgent on my part because I was very curious about about all those questions. I have a weird. So you know, I've been doing this podcast. Actually, I think we recorded our first episode in September of 2016, even though we didn't release it until February of 2017. Um, And I was just at my parents' 50th wedding anniversary, which was filled with tons and tons of their old friends, uh, a number of which, whom I hadn't seen in decades or in in years, said to me, oh, I've been listening to your podcast. And I was just like, oh my god, why? Like, what what do you know about me now that I should be worried about? (laughs) Uh... So yeah, it was it was strange. It was a very surreal thing. I don't know if that ever happens to you. I don't know how like, you know, in in rural Oregon, you can't really be open about being an occultist. You know, it's not something that you get to be honest about. So I feel like it was all of a sudden all of my parents' old friends are finding out that that their kid is a super weirdo. Well, I I have fielded that question. You know, like I do get the, so I have transition now i've been doing this for a couple of years but now i actually have a better answer to the question like when people ask me what do you do you know mm-hmm. like they want to know like what do you do to make money mm-hmm. you know what do you do for a living i hate that question because it's such a pigeonholed question like it like you're sort of defined by what your job is which i think oh is- yeah i hate that i always look at i always look right in the eye and i say nobody really knows <laughs> <laughs> That's a- <laughs> i'm gonna steal that actually all right but- what I've been saying recently is, you know, yeah, I, I do a podcast or I say something stupid like, oh, I, I read a lot of books, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just try to say something, you know, that's not like, oh, I work this job that's, you know, I hate because uh, that's just the common answer. Right. But I feel like I, I have a better answer now because I'll, I'll say I do a podcast. So ask me like what it's called or what it's about. And I tell them, oh, it's called a culture. 
you know, and they're like, oh, what's that mean? And I explain, well, it's just a, it's a hybrid of the words occult and culture. And then they're like, well, well, well what does occult mean? And I'm like, it just means hidden. So it's like about hidden culture. I, I give like the most basic answer because I can't, I, I just can't say, well, it's about, you know, a, a personal and cultural journey through all these introspective topics. And then, I'll, you know, magic, alchemy and, and love, psychology, whatever, you know, art. It's like, I may get to a point where that is my answer, but for right now, I just have—I feel like I just—I have to be basic about it because when I have mentioned magic, just like that word specifically triggers a lot of people. Oh yeah, they get weird. They—they they, most people I think that I've talked to about it think that it is illusion, that it is stage magic, like mm-hmm. your you know David, David Copperfield type of stuff. And I have to be very you know aware like when i say that word around certain people that that's not that's i'm gonna get into this conversation and i really don't want to you know yeah like it's thanksgiving like i don't want to talk about the difference between magic and stage magic like that's not what i'm that's not really what i'm here to do but oh yeah conversation probably at thanksgiving or, or or christmas this past year that i had to sit down and explain to like my aunt or uncle or somebody you know, like, what is magic? And they're like, well, it's this. And they're like, no, it's not. It's like, rabbits out of hat. And song <laughs> is an half. And I'm like, well, no, that's illusion. That's that's not magic. <laughs> but Yeah, I heard, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who got a uh, degree in Western esotericism from the University of Amsterdam. And he had a great description for, for the stuff. He's like, when somebody asks you what it is, just say that it is rejected knowledge. Hmm. it's it's a mode of thinking or a mode of approaching stuff that as that mainstream culture has rejected and been like we don't want to think about stuff this way but the occult culture does we're like we want to think about reality in these other ways we want to approach this stuff in a way that isn't so constricted and tied into like materialism or or what is the phrase that I came across on Twitter, the Cartesian dualism or whatever these terms are that describe our common or our culture's common way of looking at reality. This is a, just a different way of approaching that. Yeah. And that's kind of the struggle that I had up front when I started the show was, you know, I was trying to figure out what was it about? Because I think it's such a, it's, it, it really could be a, a general sort of catch all term, you know, for anything that's, that's, fringy you know Mm -hmm. like in nature it wouldn't necessarily have to be you know the the hard occult sciences or philosophies it wouldn't have to be all chemical thought or magical thought it could just be something like quantum physics you know they can Mm -hmm. put a more science to it which i think i did do an episode on actually but so yeah so i guess it is rejected knowledge and and but that is is you could extend that then to a lot of different things like i really want to do some different sort of episodes that i have a a few guests in mind for with uh, things like, you know, approaches to alternative, you know, food and medicine and things like that. And there's a great story uh, that I came across that is about organic sulfur. And actually, I should back up. Here's a scoop for your listeners. There is one episode that I recorded that nobody will ever hear. And it's about the topic that I just mentioned, organic sulfur. I talked to a guy uh early last year 2017 and i won't name his name but he turned out to be pretty racist and, oh. <laughs> <laughs> was, and was using terms throughout the conversation that i was just really uncomfortable with and i was like you know this is gonna be hard to edit 
And I don't really know if I want to take the time to edit it because I could probably find somebody that speaks a little better about the topic and is not so concerned with like tossing out, you know, so I, I don't care about political correctness, but I, I do realize that I don't want to offend people. I want people to continue to, to enjoy the show and be open minded and, mm-hmm. and positive. And I don't want that sort of negativity. So it wasn't really the fact that he was racist. It was the fact that he was just an, sort of a negative person. Yeah. And well, I mean, being a racist so- is 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 assholeish. Like nobody wants to listen to an asshole. True. Yeah. Well, they, they, if anybody listens to me for you know ninety minutes a week, they're listening to an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. Well, sort of. I you know we we all have the the dark side of us where we can be a little mean to people, but mm-hmm. that's the sign mm-hmm. I think that we're trying to work and be better at, right? Yeah. But the yeah. Uh, the organic sulfur thing is a topic that. I found to be pretty fascinating and I just, I want to revisit it and present that to the audience because it's sort of like, well, when you learn about what sulfur does to the body and how it, how it appears in nature and then what's been done to sort of negate those effects in nature and then on the body as well. It's a fascinating story and it's one that I think is valuable information. And I guess people could research it on their own, you know, if they want to, after hearing this, go, go research the topic, but Hmm. It, it, that sounds it, interesting. I haven't heard of it, so yeah, I'm, I'll go look it up. Sulfur, you know, if you go back to alchemy... <clears throat> yeah, it's one sulfur. of the three alchemical uh, root elements. Yeah, prima materia, right? I think that's yeah. what they call it. And there's a... You know, it's it's interesting when you look at alchemy in that sense, in just the pure physical sense, not the spiritual or more esoteric sense of alchemy, but... If you look at it from just a physical standpoint with with salt, mercury, and sulfur, like when you study what those things actually do to the body, the effects that it has on it is you are legitimately, I guess, doing that internal physical alchemy. Like if you consumed certain types of salt, like that will change a lot about your internal systems and, and your brain and mercury the same way and sulfur the same way. So. Mm-hmm. If you take these things in what you, what you would call low doses, you know, like you you hear of like micro uh, microdosing in uh, psychedelics, you know, like yeah. oh, you just a little acid or a little mushroom here and whatever. Uh, some of these things, like you hear a lot about mercury and like the mercury content in like fish, you know, how it's it can be high and it's not good for you, and mercury is in vaccines, so there's a lot of controversy there, but. There are some things like in low doses, certain types of mercury, certain types of salt, and certain types of sulfur can really, kind of what I was talking about earlier with the mushroom coffee, can really have these these neuroprotective benefits. Mm-hmm. And then also, if you wanted to take it that more into the spirit, you could do that as well. It, it, it may, may shift your experience just a little bit. So the sulfur component is something that I've not seen anybody really talk about in what I would call mainstream O-culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that means. It's sort of a... It's sort of a uh, oxymoron. Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah. yeah, it's an oxymoron. Right, right. But uh, yeah, so that's one... That's a, what you would call... I don't know what you'd call it. Like um, the lost episode of O-culture. To this point is is that one. Oh, and, man. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a internet treasure hunt. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's, it's deleted. It's gone. Like, oh. I didn't, oh. I didn't even post it. I was I had was re-listening to it in post-production and I was like it was a it was probably a almost a two-hour conversation and this was early on too this was probably I had probably done 10 or 15 episodes so the quality wasn't as 
good, you know, as it is now. But so it was a lot easier to throw it out with the quality plus the racism and the negativity. <laughs> it was a lot easier to make that choice to just not post it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. So. All right. It's now it's time. We've got to uh, wrap up because I've got to go do other stuff out in the real world. No problem. Hey, I appreciate you having me on here, man. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. I mean, you're you, this is great. Uh, do you want to plug yourself? Tell us where we can find you on the Internet? Well, yeah, I mean, oculturepodcast.com is the website if you're interested. All right. Uh, you can listen to all the shows there. You can download all the shows there. Um, social media, I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is at oculturepod, and Instagram is at oculture underscore podcast. Huh. I do have facebook.com slash oculturepodcast if you're into the Facebook stuff. Um, I don't really do a lot of stuff on there. I, I guess I sort of post whatever's on instagram onto the facebook page too but uh if you're into i've started kind of making some memes and stuff to be a little more fun with the with the instagram profile so mm-hmm. uh you might be in you might have a laugh or two you know if you want you can go check out <laughs> the alan right now if you're interested. the alan moore meme uh, <laughs> yeah. and you know the show's everywhere i've I've, it's on iTunes, it's on Google Play Music, it's on Stitcher, it's on SoundCloud, it's on YouTube. It's uh, Recently, we just put it on Spotify and iHeartRadio as well. So there's some extra listening avenues for everybody. Great. All right, well, thank you very much. It's been an honor to have you, and uh, I'm sure you'll be back someday. I definitely will, man. I, I enjoy talking to you, and you'll be back on my show as well, too, I'm sure, in the future. As soon as we get Alan Moore. As soon as we get on, let's make the magic work. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Have a great day. My Alchemical Bromance is sponsored by Miskatonic Books. Miskatonic Books is an online bookstore that focuses on rare, limited edition, and custom-made books of the highest quality. They specialize in books on the occult, ceremonial magic, Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism, Hermeticism, and other topics of interest to you, our listeners. Check them out on the web at miskatonicbooks.com. Thank you for listening to My Alchemical Bromance. You can find us on the web at myalchemicalbromance.com. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Podcast Addict or anything of that nature. Tune in next time, and that's it. Bye. Good night. I'm not going to